spine. How books are put together. I'm your host, Holly Dunn, and in today's interview, we're talking with Henry Sen Yi, who is a book cover designer, now working freelance, but he used to be a creative director at Picador, and he's worked with many of the, the top names in the book design industry. He's got a wealth of knowledge. He's been working in, in the industry for a long time. And we talk a bit about how things have changed over the years, as well as what he's doing now. He's freelance and sort of reconnecting with illustration and how he's using his three different Instagram accounts. Uh, this is quite a long one. So, you know, you might want to grab a cup of tea. There's so much great information in here. I feel like I didn't really have to do a lot in this interview, just sort of sat back and listened to all the the wisdom and goodness that Henry had to share. So I hope you enjoy this too. Here's Henry. Uh, I guess, um, you know, I started in book publishing in the late 80s. I've been doing it for like 30 years. So that's pretty much the beginning of book design as we know it with Louise Feely and uh, Susan Mitchell, who was big at vintage books at the time. And uh, I think Chip Kid just started a month before I did. Right. Uh, so it was, a, it was how basically uh, shorthand is that uh, uh, people got into books because uh, record album covers were going away of CD long boxes and there was a recession. So a lot of talent was going towards book design because they were hiring. Yeah, because you so, started off doing some work in, uh, with Rolling Stone, didn't you? Yeah, I, uh, after school, I... Uh, interned i freelanced there i interned there when i was in school and then i was doing freelance mechanicals and met with uh with uh, gail anderson and uh gail anderson is uh used to work at spotco and now she's the design director at the school of visual arts and uh, uh fred woodward was a was a big uh, editorial design art director he went on to do gq afterwards but um but yeah, the beginning of books, how it changed, how, why do Americans put a novel on books? It's because we started using more photography and sales couldn't differentiate if that was a nonfiction or a novel. So we had to put it ah. on. Uh, just like, you know, and how stock agencies started changing to offer a little bit more fine arts type or, you know, a little bit more, because more, more uh, artists photographers were coming in and uh, we wanted to use photography for fiction so a little bit more as my publisher at the time said blurry photographs so so these like it's different uh, the beginning and the changes of uh, publishing and people always ask me how I got into book design like uh, parents ask me how that their child is in high school and I'm like wow I didn't know what I wanted to do (laughs) basically my whole career is like a stumbling into things that I just had to do because I needed to find a job. You know, I got to work with Luis Feely at Pantheon, and that was only going to be one week or two weeks at the most. And I ended up staying mostly out of competition. A classmate applied for the job, and I couldn't have him have it. So, <laughs> I, so it's like these things. I, you know, I felt I went into. I graduated from high school, thinking I would be a musician and like art. Like I did it, but it wasn't really a choice. No, it was book design. That wasn't even an option in school. I didn't, you no, know, I, well, it it certainly it wasn't for me. It wasn't something I kind of even thought that 
that was a, a job that people would do just book covers. Yeah, kind exactly. Amazing. So I, you know, so it's that whole career, and then I, I've had interesting conversations with Eric on Twitter about how with social media, how much uh, access you see it is overwhelming, that it makes you feel self-conscious and insecure about your work. It's just so much. It just keeps going and the competition and, you know, and how does that change? And and it's interesting at this, that I was, uh, my imprint went through a restructuring. So my art department was let go, an art department of two people, me and uh, Leanne. And then how I, I feel like I'm back in, I just graduated from uh, college. I feel like I'm reinventing myself or have the opportunity to. So I'm in this really unknown exciting territory but still love books because i've done it and i love it but want to see what's out what else is out there now like kind of like what you're doing like illustrating uh, like if i do more books mm. i like to apply my photography and illustration to it see if i can combine interest yeah because I, I was doing a bit of bit of research and looking at what you do online and i i thought i had found your instagram and then i realized you have two instagrams one for illustration and one for book design. And then one for photography, so I have three. Oh, there's a separate one as well? Okay, I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's, it's my, it was the first one, H-S-Y-E-E, -E, which right. is my Twitter handle. So it, it was all photography, and I'm like, oh, I just want to do photography. I, I can't wait to quit <laughs> and <laughs> just do this. And, you know, it's impossible to do anything when you have a full-time job. There's no time to explore and uh, uh, experiment and and just and just do it like find time to go out and take photographs I, people always ask me how do you uh get into book design because it became very popular and i was like in school i think maybe book covers was an assignment i mean paula Sher was my uh was my portfolio teacher at the school of visual arts so she would give us uh book covers and they were fun but they were kind of like a, a step to do a 12-inch album cover and, right. uh, and that's what you want to do, like something like a poster and something with a large, you can really play the contrast and illustration. And that was the hot thing. Everyone was, uh, Columbia Records, which became Sony. Everyone was working. All your favorite designers were working in, uh, in the record industry. And that was like the most exciting thing. So, you know, for someone that uh, now asks, how do you get into book design? It just seemed like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even know that. Because in high school, I think I wanted to be a baseball player or an astronaut still. Yeah. So you never knew. And I thought I was going to be a musician. And I, I, but then that, that became, it was more fun playing than actually doing it as a full-time job. Mm, I think that's the case with a lot of things where, you know, if it's a hobby and then you, you start turning it into something more serious and suddenly it, yeah. it takes all that play and fun out of it. Exactly. It just it, it really turned into just practicing for a purpose and playing and, and these gigs. And I, I asked my art teacher and she just said, well, if you're lucky, you get to do what you love. So you should choose something that you want to spend time with and you know, it could be math, it could be anything. And I, I graduated without a direction. And my, my brother said, you got to go to college. You know, you can't be sitting around. And, and the only, the big college to go to was Cooper Union, which is tuition free. It's an amazing school, but I couldn't get into there. And Parsons was another great school. Couldn't get into that one. It's too expensive. And it was already October and the School of Visual Arts at the, at the time had an open enrollment. So I showed him my uh, put together portfolio and I started uh, sculpture foundation class that day 
And I thought, I never heard of the school. I mean, what a joke. They just want my money or my family's money. And slowly as you, the school developed into all these great designers, Karen Goldberg and Henrietta Kondak and Christopher Stupchuk and Paula Scher and Louis Fettley. It's just like, uh, just like, oh my God, I'm working with these, I'm working on a mag- like New York Magazine as an assignment and I'm actually working with the creative director of New York Magazine and he's critiquing me and and that's scary and it's, you know, like how do I impress him? But you just feel like you have a direct uh, conduit to uh, the professional world. And it was amazing. So, so then, uh, when I graduated from SVA, I didn't know what I, I actually graduated without completing my portfolio because I was just overwhelmed with, I did an internship at Condé Nast, which did like Vanity Fair and Good Housekeeping and Glamour. And, uh, and I interned at Rolling Stone. So by my senior year, everyone thought I uh, should know the answer, the secret to design. And I was fumbling just like everyone, but I knew that I didn't want to be a copycat of my instructors. So until I had something that was me on the paper, I did nothing. But I had these ideas in my head, so I kind of paralyzed myself. And um, the head of my uh, my uh, design department said, you know, you're really good. Try to finish your portfolio before graduation, and then, you know, you can graduate. You're fine. And I, I never did it. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, I bumped it to Gail Anderson, and she said, you must have a great job. I was like, no, I'm just home watching Oprah. <laughs> she goes, well, why don't you work out in uh, Rolling Stone? We need help with mechanicals. And that was fun, really. It's a bi-weekly. A magazine came out every two weeks, but, you know, it's exciting. It was like you got to see Annie Leibovitz come in and all these great illustrators and photographers. Wow. And, it's, and the, the whole place had, like, Steve Martin's uh, white, tuxedo covered with uh, black tar and that Annie shot or Pete Townsend's uh, busted guitar frame. I'm like, it was like, it was like an exciting, crazy time. It really was sex, drugs and rock and roll at that moment, you know, in the eighties, uh, New York city. And, uh, but it was like, it was just too much. And, uh, and I kind of wanted to get out. Uh, it's like, I, I was overworked and it was a lot of work. And, uh, and my friend Angela was, uh, Louise Philly's assistant, and she was at Pantheon Books at the time, which is now part of Knopf Books and Random House. I guess always were. But uh, Louise Philly needed help. And I remember coming in, and uh, I said, Oh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll help out, but I don't want to stay. I really got to get out there and, and look for a record uh, music job. I was doing mechanicals, uh, back covers, versos, and uh, and it was a lot of fun. I, you know, I really, if it was a book about baseball, I would separate the quotes with an uh, uh, icon of a baseball moving in a curveball direction, and the barcode was put in a home plate symbol. And it, it just, like, I was applying what little uh, opportunities I had, uh, applying my designs and my aesthetics on it. Like, it could be even wrapping packages, making wonderful labels. And, and a lot of that came from Louise, who just had this most incredible aesthetics and the most gorgeous type books locked mm. up in her cabinet. And when she, when she would leave for, for, the, for the night, we would sneak in and Xerox all the pages. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, it was brilliant. so amazing. Oh, oh, my God. And her walls were covered with all this uh, beautiful labels, Italian labels, ephemera of all kinds. And... It's just like uh, so inspiring and, you know, and very intimidating, of course, because once you know who she is, she's like amazing. I love her. 
But uh, I, I remember a classmate of mine came in with his portfolio, and when he left, I said, well, what's he uh, doing here? Uh, wh why was he here? And she, uh, she said, we said, oh, I'm looking for an, uh, an assistant, and, and you're not interested. I'm like, oh, uh, I am. Because <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't have him have it. <laughs> and, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and I just, you know, I, I stayed. And I thought, like, oh, okay, I'll stay in books for a year and get out. And uh, and I just stayed. I, I remember Rolling Stone, Fred Woodward would interview me, ask me if I would come back to the magazine. And I said, oh, you know, I, and he would say, you know, you come here, you do the best design of your life. And I'm like, oh, I get to I get to work on this rectangle and the subject matter is constantly changing. And I get to determine if it's all type or illustration or photography. And I don't know, it's just it's so much control and really shape this world. And you're learning so much with each uh, title that I it's it's hard. And I said, I wish I found books later. And did this, and he said, nah, you know, you you got to go in the door, whatever door, or window, or any opportunity is presented to you, you, you have to take it, and no one controls that. Yeah, so I stayed in books and then left Pantheon after maybe three years. I mean, um, so much happened at that time. I mean, Louisa really had a, her, her her child and and left to start her own studio, and uh, Marjorie Anderson uh, was an art director there. She took over. And Archie Ferguson was her assistant at Times Books, and I was her assistant at Pantheon. And, and we, we worked on the list, so that was great. And uh, once you get a taste of art directing and having more control, you can't go backwards <laughs> an assistant. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it, was, it was tough. And, and then uh, I interviewed at St. Martin's Press and uh, wanted me, and I didn't want to go. I, I mean, the, the team was... We had uh, such an amazing staff. It was Archie Ferguson, Chip Kidd, Barbara DeWild, Heidi North. Uh, it's like Susan Mitchell. It, it was just like such an inspiring every day. It was like school and everyone worked till midnight or, and you know, if you loved your job, you did it. You just, you're doing everything by hand. You're cutting type apart, putting it together. Exciting times. And But uh, Cal Carson said, well, you know, I don't want you to leave, but if you stay, uh, you'll probably still be making the same salary. I can't match it, which is not a lot. I mean, book publishing doesn't pay a lot. But you get to Art Direct, and I can't offer that here. So I think you kind of have to go. And I'm like, oh. I remember Chip uh, was congratulating me, and, he's, and I said, oh, thanks. He goes, oh, why do you look so sad? I'm like, oh, I feel like I have to go. <laughs> oh. but, it, but it turned out great. You know, I got to mentor a lot more people and uh, really put my stamp on this imprint or this uh, publishing house. And it was a lot of fun. And it's, it wasn't, uh, it was kind of at the beginning years, it was more mom and pop. It, it was kind of, it occupied two floors or three floors at the most in the Flatiron building. And, to this, uh, and today now occupies the entire building, which yeah. is probably like 22 floors. And they're moving out soon to uh, Wall Street area uh, for a larger space uh, to accommodate, accommodate all the other imprints like uh, FSG and Penny Holt and, uh, and Flatiron Books. And uh, it's uh, a tremendous growth. I had a great time there. I was there for 27 years. And uh, as I got my birthday, they announced that uh, there was a restructuring and uh, just came back from vacation. Oh. It was my birthday and went to HR and he said, oh, there's a restructuring and uh, Dora's not going to be publishing originals. 
it's going to be paperback reprints. Like we were trying to do hardcovers, original hardcovers, and it was going to be under uh, FSG. And I thought, oh, that's great. And then the next word was, and uh, there won't be an art department. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it just floored me. I never thought this could happen. So uh, a little, I guess I was burnt out. And I started doing uh, illustrating at that moment. I never illustrated anything since uh, foundation year of college. Because once I decided to go in graphic design, I really didn't illustrate at all except manipulate typography and maybe maybe Photoshop color correction or manipulating, you know, like uh, the art and the image a little, but not full on creating something from scratch using my uh, hand skills. So uh, th that started developing. I, I think I saw this uh, illustrator, Yuko Shimitsu, and she, she's amazing. She, she illustrates with uh, Asian brushes, uh, mm -hmm. Japanese brushes. And it was so bold and it had a very uh, Asian flair, but she was doing a very Western uh, subject matter. It's like she she worked on a lot of uh, comic books. She, I saw her illustrate Batman in her strong style, and it was such an amalgam of East meets West. And it was so bold. So uh, I brought this uh, pocket brush, a uh, Pentel pocket brush, and uh, first time I think I, think I did a self-portrait, and it changed my mind because uh, all through since uh, foundation year, all I did was pencil. And pencil is so tentative, like, oh, I can always erase it and I can redo this line, you know, hundreds of times until I get it right. But when you put a, a, a mark with a brush pen, it's so definite and I made a choice. It just changed how I saw it. And it gave me this, like, amazing feeling of uh, creating a mark. So I started, you know, I, I, I went to a store, uh, this really a wonderful Japanese bookstore, uh, Kino Kunia, I believe it's pronounced, but they had this really tiny koi watercolor uh, set, and, I, and so it was for plain air, for painting outdoors. And I never heard of this concept. Of course, uh, John Sargent did that, or all the masters did. But I was I was intrigued by it, so I brought it and I started doing watercolors, and I posted on Instagram and uh, or Facebook, and people were saying, "I didn't know you can draw." I said, "I didn't know either. I'm just, <laughs> I think from." For just years of art directing and developing taste and what you like and, and composition and values and and form. It's just like you kind of, I, I think what happens is you kind of learn it so much that it looks a little too stiff and precise. But I have no technique, but it gave it a kind of an urgency and a rawness, I think, which I really loved. And it, uh, it's, it's also freed me that I didn't need to reach a certain level before I can draw something, that I can just be whoever I am at this moment with whatever skill level and just create something. So that gave me so much joy it's like, uh, to finally illustrate and, and, uh, and, well, not illustrate, but just to have the joy of creating images that wasn't connected to uh, uh, solving other people's uh, problems or books. Like and that's why I love about photography. And there's no subject matter. I'm just I'm I'm not creating beauty. I think in uh, design you're trying trying to take this image or type or title and you're trying to make it beautiful or make something out of it. But with photography, uh, you you go out and you look for beauty and you you frame it and you take a photo and it could be something that on the surface is uh, 
not attractive looking or off-putting, but you take a photo of it and you find the beauty of those forms or, and the shapes. And, and you know, I just love that, that uh, it was exercising a different part of my, uh, of my way of seeing and responding to my world. It, and it made me go out in the world and say, oh, there's beauty out there already. I just have to open my eyes and see it, notice it. So it's all this like unintentional uh, beauty, I guess. Mm. But so, any illustration is like okay, I get to do stuff for myself. Or I mean, at the at the at this point, it's just mostly studies. I'm trying to learn these techniques and forms, and what do I like? You know, do I like pen and ink? Do I like watercolor? Is it gouache? Is it markers? I mean, I just ordered these. Uh, they're called Pasca markers. They're very flat. They're like water-based, but super opaque. And you can create these flat illustrations. And uh, they're, they're all over Instagram everywhere. But uh, the idea of like going from watercolor, which is very transparent to, uh, and you got to work from light to dark, that to work in gouache or opaque medium, that you can start with a black background and then paint white over it or lighter mm-hmm. colors is like, wow. That just changed the pro. I mean, it really is a, a different way of thinking. You start thinking of, uh, you start painting negative spaces instead of protecting them or drawing always the positive. And uh, I, I, I just love it. It's just uh, another way of uh, looking at things. And it's another tool to help you explore this world that I'm interested in. Yeah, and, oh, and you've been doing some digital stuff as well, haven't you? Yeah, I do it. And I do it because Procreate is amazing and the yeah. Apple Pencil is amazing. Kyle Webster makes these amazing brushes. Yeah. Uh, now he works with Adobe. And they're great, but my Wacom tablet doesn't work. So, ah. <laughs> you know, if you don't have the pressure sensitive, of, you know, you know, with the mouse, I'm, I'm not taking advantage of it. And uh, it's too much of a hassle to figure out why my Wacom isn't working. But Procreate is just so easy. It's a, it's a great form factor. It's uh, it, That pencil is, uh, is great. And, and I, I like digital, but it's still a little too perfect. What's amazing about watercolor is that that line doesn't go where you want it to go. And that wash, or if it's too wet, it just spills into areas you don't want it to go. Yeah, and you but haven't got dry, an undo button. Yeah, you know, and I do that. I mean, I'm always looking for a Command Z or, yeah. or with Procreate, there's like a, a two-finger swipe uh, uh, left to go backwards. So do, mm. And I'm doing that on paper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I've, I've done the same. <laughs> Holly, what are you doing? <laughs> and it's so hard, but but it, but it's something nice about analog that you're committed to that mark. You can't undo it and you have to accept it. And what's amazing about watercolor is that that spill that was a big accident, when it dries, it's just, it's the thing that people love. And I'm like, oh, wow. Because you would never do that intentionally. And it and then it looks amazing. And I think sometimes if uh, being a little ignorant or it's kind of better. I remember one of the first Chip Kids uh, design was for, uh, what was that, Geek Love? It was so ugly, the typography. You know, coming from Louise Feely, I would never break up type like that or stretch it 200% yeah. or cut off cells. Like, I just couldn't do that. That's not how I was taught. But Chip didn't really have those uh, restraints. He was able to make it, I guess, ugly. But it, it was so, there was nothing like it out there. Like, no one would ever do that. And it just stood out. And because of that, it was just... Uh, you know, you, you have to kind of celebrate your mistakes and the and the ugliness or the uh, off uh, off puttingness of things. Because when it's just when things are too expected, you look at it, it's like, oh yeah, 
looks like what I expected it. So I totally understand this. I don't need to buy it. Uh, no further uh, discussion or exploration is needed. Mm. Well, when something is almost off, I'm like, I don't know what it is. And you can't stop talking about it. You can't stop thinking about it. Or I remember I had this uh, jacket design. Uh, it was all white. And there's an image of a, a very tiny image, like a half inch of a woman. Oh, it's called Flying Leap, of a woman falling, like jumping. And there's a bunch of short stories. And uh, it was all white, And but I made the flaps yellow. And I remember we had an intern, uh, Olga Mezibelskaya. Now she's a, a, a wonderful professor at the School of Visual Arts. These kids, they grew up so fast. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, see, we had a discussion. Why did you make the flaps yellow? I mean, why not keep it beautiful white, like extend the the white background or stair background from front back and to the flaps. And uh, we, we talked about it for like 15 minutes. And I'm like, I don't know. The, the only answer is it was my whim. I did it because why not? You expect it to be white. And look, we just spent 15 minutes talking about flaps. And yeah. fuck. I'm like, you noticed it. It didn't wasn't like, oh, it's pretty. That's nice. Next. Oh, it's pretty. It's nice. And like, especially now, we're just like inundated with just so much beauty. It's like, oh, next, give me more. And, you know, to actually stop and spend time with something. I, and I think it's it's usually something that is a little unexpected and off-putting. It's like, why does that? I think that's everything with art and just life. You know, if it was too perfect, then you just you don't notice it. As an audience or a, a reader or anything, we need to be a part of that communication of uh, I'm designing a cover or you create a movie or you have a conversation. You know, you present something and you hopefully engage the reader like the other half of the relationship feels like, oh, I can fix this or I can be a part of it. But if everything's kind of perfect, then, I, uh, then I'm redundant. I have, I'm just an observer. So uh, I, I think that creating that uh, engagement is really interesting. It's like not everything is straight. Not every, You don't fill in the blanks conceptually. You don't spoon feed it. Uh, too much. I know with a lot of more of any any field, but it, uh, the tendency is to over-explain. You know, not not to teach uh, treat the reader as uh, dumb, but it's like, well, do we have to explain everything? Can we, can you leave out some things? And and a lot of like uh, painting or illustrations, like uh, what you leave out is just as interesting, or what's missing. Mm. You know, I, I'm learning in, in illustration is about the edge and what is sharp and what blurs into the background and you know what is foreground what is background and that edge control and how do you get it creates movement and energy and engaged uh, engagement through the entire painting and not just uh, like a coloring book or something and the same but, in uh, photography exactly exactly and uh, it's it's interesting because sometimes if you paint off of a photograph it's fine but if you can paint in real life, there's a benefit because in a, in a photograph, that's a static. Everything is sharp and everything has importance. You know, every window is important, every rooftop, every building behind a building, every tree limb, every leaf, because it's frozen and you see it. But when you're outside and you're choosing what to focus on, which is, which is really the key, what do you, how much do you have to focus on something? You get to choose, like, oh, only this door frame and this window. And maybe I'll make this window, I'll change it. I'll make it, like, a light is on there. So it, like, so there's some kind of human or humanity behind in that room. But 
yeah, you'd get to when you when you're drawing off the real life, you get to choose what is in focus, and you can even change the perspective. You can not be stuck in a in a moment of like this photograph was taken uh, a year ago on this month and this day. But you know, if you join this today, people are walking by, and you're walking, and the and the weather changes how you. Uh, decides if it's too cold, like I'm just going to do, you know, some windows and not all of them. They'll get it. And I, I love that, that kind of like uh, running out of time. It makes you make these urgent decisions. It's kind of like uh, if there's a fire, what would you take take out? Like you have to make a decision. Well, this is important. That's important. And the rest can, you get it, you know. So uh, yeah, I, I, that's why I love like all these different. If you if you have all these interests, they're all kind of related. You know, they are, they all inform each other. And maybe if you if you just see it from one point of view and with one set of uh, the same kind of dialogue and the same material, that uh, you always get the kind of the same results. But it's really interesting when you read it, something that's so uh, different has a similar uh, process. Like I, I remember, I used to uh, try to explain. Uh, give art direction to the staff and sometimes it's hard so you have to find uh metaphors and and some metaphors are like it was very difficult to explain until i i use cooking as a metaphor it's like you know everything here in this design you have all the pieces you have it's like a cake you got flour eggs and butter but it's not cooked you know you still got to mix it like you have all the parts but it doesn't look great it's not it's not developed yet for that designer cooking is a great metaphor some for other music is the metaphor and another it's relationships they understand it's like oh it's like a father and a child like that's what the title and the subtitle is you know mm-hmm. or you know and this is like and this other thing this quote that's 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 the that's you know that could be the daughter or whatever the the wife it's really important so it has to stand out but then we want to put a second quote and that's the mistress you know so <laughs> like i i kind of uh, like when I design, I, I do have a like uh, like uh, when I'm cropping author photos, like I can tell if like oh the top is a little too tight to his head because if I was in that box, I would feel really uncomfortable. Or that type is really awkwardly touching uh, the title too much, or or too close to the photograph of the person's eye. So you feel it. You feel the I don't know the feng shui or the you know, like if if that was my face in the photo and this tight face was close to my eye, I feel uncomfortable, so move it away until it feels comfortable. Mm, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Yeah, same with letting. Like it's it's you know this a mechanical. Like I have this, you know, just to get it going. Like when Quark, uh, the app Quark was here, I used to uh, track everything like multiples of threes. There's twelve points in a pike, uh, three points. So half a pike is six, so I would like track things out, 30 tracking, uh, letting a multiple of 60 or something. It's like there was like a, just a formula of like, because if you use this uh, consistent measurement, then there's a cohesiveness to everything, yeah, uh, spacing wise. But just as a starting point, and then, but I, you know, sometimes you get mechanicals from designers and uh, they have a box, a text box that's like one foot wide and it's centered on the on the document that. It's like the like nothing is centered, nothing is aligned correctly, but it still feels right. It feels maybe organic and maybe 
So, so, so now I try to introduce a little bit of centeredness. If anything, it's just for my own whim. You know, it's just like I felt like I, I put a piece of chance and imperfection in it. Yeah, and you know. it's, it's something that's so hard to put into words as well because so, so much of design feels very intuitive and it's difficult to explain, you know, this is why it works. It's just that it, like you said, it has a kind of feng shui to it. It, it has a, a balance that is just pleasing to the human eye. Yeah, I remember in uh, my uh, magazine design class, uh, Chris Oskopchuk uh, was the instructor, and uh, I think he's at CB, uh, Sony Records, and he's like vice president. But we used, uh, classmates would put up magazine spreads, and you would have to critique them. And, and for some reason, this typeface was a wrong design period. And uh, as in the School of Visual Arts, they, they teach a lot of design history, which is good, but then sometimes you're stuck into that, like, oh, this is a spread about Bauhaus, and uh, it has to be typefaces from that period and from this school. And one student uh, did something, and maybe it was too modern or just, and we, I think we all, like, dumped on it. And, you know, teen, you know, when you're young, you can be cruel and very competitive in school. And just like, that's the wrong typeface. That color's not right. It's historically incorrect. And Chris said, I don't know. I love it. And he goes, but it's wrong. He goes, it feels right. It feels good. And I was thinking, what does feeling have to do with anything? It's all about being uh, intellectually correct. And But then it taught me, he's like, yeah, feeling, it just stuck in my head. So when I started seeing designs that were technically beautiful, but left me emotionally cold, like I didn't connect, I'm like, I don't think this is, it's because ultimately what we're doing is communicating. Mm. We're communicating and connecting. And if it's like, uh, well, you told me an information, but in no way, you know, I don't feel anything from it. So I don't know. And, so, and design is, uh, is is funny. It's tricky. Like, you don't know why you love something. Like, like even like, I don't know why or why we do what we do. I, I, I suppose it's like when we were young and we did our finger painting and our parents put it on the refrigerator wall. It's like, whoa, I did. I created something that you want to look at and you think it's, and that feeling, once you get that feeling, it just like, it stays and you want to get that feeling again. Yeah, it's That's addictive. Why, yeah, it's so important. Like, it could have been like, wow, you're really good at uh, baseball or math. And I heard that. And like, oh, you, you have pretty good, uh, like, you're good with the uh, triangle. You keep the rhythms. Like, oh, I love music now. Maybe I want to explore that. So you want to capture that feeling like, oh, I'm, I want to do, I'm, I'm fast, so let me run. I'm going to do track. So you start exploring these things, and then they start filtering out about what you want to do. A lot of times it's like, well, you can't make money doing that. And I'm like, uh, okay, I guess I'll, I'll drop it even though I love it. But, uh, but reality kind of sets in. But, yeah, yeah, and, and you, now in, instead of the, the refrigerator where you're, you're putting, your, your parents are putting your artwork, we've got social media. Yeah, you know what's interesting? Um, you know, I used to go to bookstores, and that was like a, a cover designer's uh, art gallery. Yeah. And like I, like, I remember seeing my cover in a New York Times ad, and I was so, it was so exciting to see it. And I remember someone said, we paid for that ad. I'm like, oh, that's irrelevant. That's my cover. Yeah. And, you know, when you travel, <laughs> you go to San Francisco and, and uh, you know, somewhere place else. And, and rarely, sometimes in Europe, when they pick up your design, you see it and you feel like, oh, my God, there's a piece of me here. I have a, you know, I exist here. My, my, my thoughts, my interpretation of this. 
and it's so exciting to see. But you know, I was uh, online on Twitter. Eric uh, had something goes. I uh, paraphrasing. It's like what's great about working at Spine with Spine is like you get to see so much great talent. And so we had this discussion. I was like, yeah, I used to go to bookstores, and it was like oh, your galleries, and and right now it's on Instagram and and Facebook, and you just see all this amazing stuff. But then you you just feel like overwhelmed by oh my god you know but hopefully at the when you leave you feel inspired and you do i mean so far like you leave like oh i can't wait to get back and rethink this or or i love this field it's so amazing the variety of excellence right next to each other and variety of tones and that's an exercise that you constantly have to be open and vulnerable and Put it on paper. I'm like, like, don't self-edit yourself, and don't listen to too much to people on the outside. And that, I mean, you really have to trust your voice. And this is what I always tell uh, young designers: it's like, you know, you have this, uh, like, you hear, like, uh, uh, what should I do? The, uh, uh, I like the the green one or the black one, and and I'm like, well, I can tell you're leaning towards the green one. So why don't you listen to yourself and do it? I mean, you kind of answer your own question. Like it's it's there, and that's the hardest thing is like to hear the voice inside her head, and and then act on it, and then why not? You know, everything is set in black over white or cream on Garamond. Like it's always gonna look beautiful, <laughs> you know. It's always gonna look great. It's a sense of condensed. It's always gonna look great. I mean, totally. Uh, yeah, it's awesome and boring and and vanilla, but vanilla is great. But, you know, it'll be nice to see something else. Even like in the uh, other pendulum, it's like, I love hair lettering, but, you know, I like to see something else. Like, I mm-hmm. like to see really uh, well-executed typography. You know, really uh, sticking with one typeface and playing with sizes and spacing. You know, sometimes they see, like, uh, documents from uh, Revolutionary Time or, you know, 1700s, 1800s, and one typeface and this is size and spacing and mixtures of caps and small caps and, and italics and like, oh, so beautiful. You know, the restraint and really great typography skills. But I love hand, I love handwriting. I, I don't do much of it just because there's so much out there and I always feel like it's a little too easy or I don't want to contribute. I, I, I never want to want to contribute to what's already out there and there's too much of. I'm like, okay, what can I add to this? conversation or this visual dialogue that we're having and that's that's a challenge and it's, that's always a challenge how to it's not easy yeah. <laughs> it's uh, but it's I mean, we're talking about like uh mentorship i always tell uh you never you never truly grow as a designer until you mentor someone until you have an assistant because that assistant will not understand what you're doing or get it and said why why can't I use 20 typefaces? Why can't I mix this color with that? And uh, why do you do this? And you have to find an answer that makes sense. Because most of us, uh, we do things in our head. It's all thought out and justified, and it's in our head. And we do it because it's intuition. Uh, we teach ourselves not to question it, but just react and do it. That's why, like, like doing this interview or, going, or doing a presentation, and you have to uh, explain why you did that. It's hard. It's like... Well, this is why I'm not in uh, public speaking, or this is why I'm not a writer. You should just look at everything. All my intentions are in this on on paper. 
or whatever, you know, that's, uh, it should speak for itself. No, I was just going to say, I completely agree that for me, when I, in the process of figuring out what my process, what my design process looked like, it wasn't until I did some teaching on uh, on hand lettering particularly as sort of doing a a beginner's course that I could kind of break that down and understand it better myself so I think that's that's so valuable you know at at whatever stage you're at to to try and and teach it to to somebody else who knows less than you about that topic and it will help you so much Mm -hmm. or or even more than you I think collaboration Mm. It's hard. It's it's hard. Like sometimes, you know, with such individual, unique uh, perspective, and uh, some people, some designers can work together, but I think it's hard because um, sometimes. I mean, if I'm art directing and I'm handing it off, but to co-design, I think that's been a little elusive. I I've done it well with uh, this designer Olga Grilich. We've we've worked on Middlesex and uh, I'm Charlotte Simmons and. Uh, and that was a lot of fun, but but we kind of she did mostly the illustration. I was designing, art directing. But when you collaborate, you even if you don't collaborate, you just ask someone, "What do you think about this?" And it doesn't matter if they're designers or the layperson or your mom or dad, and say, "I don't get it." And I'm like, "Well, that's a valid point." Mm. I mean, everything is valid. It's like uh, I, it's confusing to me, and I'm like, "Well." You're not a designer, so you don't get it. And that's the wrong answer. Yeah. It's like, you shouldn't design for designers. No. Like, I remember I, I did something for my publisher, and I loved the typeface, and she hated it. I'm like, yeah, but this typeface was popular in the 1917 during the Russian Revolution. And she goes, I don't care. It's ugly. <laughs> and again, it hit me. I'm like, sometimes it could be uh, intellectually appropriate, but if it doesn't look good or feel right, it doesn't matter. It's like, like someone giving you food because it's good for you mm. it's healthy it's like i don't want to eat kale for dessert <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> I, I know it's good but like nah you know so yeah just because it's intellectually sound doesn't mean uh you know a scoop of uh ice cream is not the the ticket but yeah you know i think it's it's hard to i think it's that's why i think i i like putting my my illustrate or anything it's a little scary to put it on online mm. or to put it out there because uh, the internet or whatever it can be a cruel they haven't been cruel i mean it's, it's a lot of bit a lot of fans out there but i think in the beginning there was a lot of blogs of devoted to cover design oh, i forgot the name the the cover letter i don't know it was, it was on blogger or something and uh and the, the dialogue was so uh, contentious it was just like I don't get it. It's like, oh my God, that's rude. <laughs> you know? And you know, say to them, like, I don't understand this typeface. Or they're questioning the choices. Or why isn't it perfect? Why isn't it centered? Why isn't it, why did you use this? And, you know, it could be, it could be something. And I remember, like, Paul Buckley and I would email each other and say, like, Dude, are you reading this crap? I'm like, uh, like how do you explain? Because we both would try to, like, explain it. Like, well, sometimes uh, when it's imperfect, it's actually more perfect. I don't get it. I'm like, uh, it's you can't explain it if you don't if you don't get it, you don't get it. And okay, you don't like it, fine, next. Yeah. But but it you know it got uh, it was getting ugly. Like I don't think this is very good, and people's feelings were getting hurt. And like 
But it's uh, actually it's not so much like that now. There's a lot of love. I, I think we like uh, like uh, in the beginning all those blog. Well, in the beginning it was like uh, before Casual Alchemist came and uh, BDR uh, Book Design Review was coming out, and then it became uh, I don't know. It was it was, it was a lot. I, I, at the time I had a blog. I think I was inspired by uh, Chip. He had a monograph that came out, and uh, I had all these cover flats, these printed. Uh, covers that I had no space for so I wanted to get rid of it so I was thinking oh I'm just gonna put it online I'll, I'll take I'll take the scans and post it and I'll have like a monograph like uh, like Chip just a place where I can see it and I showed it to some fellow art directors and they're like it's probably like at the time when I showed them like 40 and goes like Henry this portfolio is too big you gotta cut it down to 15 I'm like it's not a portfolio it's just a place to put my stuff and I but list like websites of my assistants and people I work with or people I admire, which is at the time very unusual. Like no one really used their website to promote anyone other than themselves. So to promote maybe a, a competitor. Mm. Uh, and, and it was interesting because I would get uh, emails said, oh, I discovered Kelly Blair from here or Ellie Mahan or, uh, I never heard of uh, Mark Yankis until, and so they were starting hiring them. I felt like, oh, those are jobs that should be going to me. But it was <laughs> great because, you know, these people I care for and love, and they're like my best friends and former assistants. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, this is, and it was unusual. And then people were writing, oh, do you mind putting my a website? And I'm like, it's not like it's advertising. It's only photo. It's only websites of people I work with, my assistants, or people I admire. Mm. <laughs> and you, sir, are none of those. <laughs> but uh, but it was it was good. But it created a community, and you know, I was just posting covers, and people say, "Why did you do that? Where did that typeface come from? Or why did you choose this?" And I'm like, "It just speak for itself." And then I, and then I started answering the very simple questions, and then I started doing more process, and started doing outtakes and uh, alternatives, and answering questions, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, mm. Became almost like class, like a. I think I think there was a, a I think a, a school a college in uh, California did the design program was uh, looking at my blog and breaking down the, you know how I process and communicate and understand about the creation of a cover design, and it was a lot of fun. But then, like anything, it became a job. I'm like I gotta post something, and I gotta I gotta dig up the outtakes and. Uh, I should probably get a quote from the illustrator. What did you think when you did? And it's like, it just became t- too much. And then everyone was talking about cover, cover design. It became almost like a competitive sport. Not competitive, but like, uh, like oh my god, this is the best designer. Like oh my god, this is amazing. It was just like too much for my fragile ego. <laughs> and it's just like it was just like ah, I'm tired of this. It's just too much of this. So I, uh, that's like maybe five years ago. I stopped doing that, and it just. Mm recently started posting Instagram. It's like, it's interesting. Uh, like when you're young, you, you have an Instagram from birth or something, but, uh, but now <laughs> you can see like uh, older designers who uh, feel like you must uh, have a design blog now that's public. Like, mm. you know, like I don't, I still don't have a website. Basically, I still don't have a portfolio. It's like word of mouth or, you know, just asking like, oh, can I help you? 
and plus I really didn't need it because I had a full-time job, so now mm. it's changing. But I see uh, my older colleagues, you have to have a website, you have to have an Instagram, you have to put it out there, and and it's it's a lot. It's like it's it's probably you know I think a lot of artists are introverted and they feel uncomfortable about putting themselves out there, and public speaking or public engagement. And it could be, and then also self-value. You're afraid to put something up there and not get any likes or this thing that you didn't think was very good gets like uh, hundreds of likes and something you love gets like 10. Yep. And yep. that really, that really, <laughs> it really screws with, uh, and this is a daily thing. I mean, it's happening to me all the time. Like I, I tell my friends that who are going through these, this thing of feeling so bad about themselves. I'm like, hey, I'm not immune from it. I feel it too. If it wasn't for my illustration photography that I can find some joy from, this would make me feel really bad. You know, yeah. it's just super competitive. And if someone, if, if no one's praising that cover that you worked hard on or, I don't know, you just don't want any praise, actually. You just want to hide, you know, yeah. you just want to do your job, send it out and, and cringe. Hope, uh, hope sales doesn't say this book failed because of the cover, which is what you always hear, heard. Mm. And I'm like, oh, sorry. Like, I can't see a time where I'm never in love with books or mm. book design. It's like, I, this is my life. I mean, I give up so much to do this. I mean, like, I give up my weekends and to do this. I, I remember when, uh, when uh, I, I kind of stopped that because I... I would come in on Saturdays because I, I don't I didn't have a computer at home. I would come in to use a work computer, and it'll be you know a beautiful summer. And I would spend the entire Saturday surfing the web, and leave at 10 p.m. Like what a waste of time! And come back Sunday and did the same exact thing, surfing the web, and then come back Monday because it's due Monday at noon, and I was just like throw something together, bust my butt during lunch, and send it. And the art director said, oh, this is beautiful. And then I'm like, okay, maybe that's just my process. I'm a little, uh, 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 what is that? I procrastinate. Or, uh, what, what it taught me is like, if I don't have an idea, I can't force it to happen. You know, people uh, put it on Facebook, they're at the beach, and I'm stuck in this office. Like, this is a weekend, a beautiful summer weekend. I'm, I'm losing over nothing. And I'm like, I can't do this. I need to find a better balance, you know. And then, but also, how do I do that? It's like, well, if I don't have an idea, like I try to design first conceptually. And if it's not on paper, taking notes, I'm thinking about it. I'm ruminating. I'm walking around the city. I'm watching movies. I'm having conversations. And that's where ideas come. And, you know, they come when you least expect it. Taking a shower or, or you're talking about something so different, but it's... Uh, 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 thematically uh, similar and then all of a sudden oh, yeah that's that, okay I got it jot it down and then once you have an idea the putting it together is the simple part because that's yeah. what you spent you spent your whole life it's like uh, you know you hear this stuff uh, who's this industrial designer he, uh, he, he designed that uh, for Target like these tea kettles with a buried on the spout but he designed this toothbrush, and he did it like in a half an hour. And he said, "Ah, oh, it only took you a half an hour." He goes, "No, that's 35 years of living, brushing my teeth, understanding what I want from a toothbrush. That's experience." <laughs> yeah, yeah, so and, that, and that's what it is. Like typography, like you know how to make something look good. You can fix a cover. You know what typefaces look good or resonate or look what color combinations 
a killer and you know you have like a catalog of just description and things and combinations that you've done or always wanted to so once you have a, the hardest thing is to have a, a concept or an idea that's worthy of I mean, there's a million colors, there's a million typefaces. But once you have that idea, you know, it's only this typeface. It's really just this limited palette. And it's it's not this photo and it's not that thing. So it, it becomes very easy to design once you have an idea. Uh, but it's, it's hard. You really have to uh, you really have to be in tune and open and, and listen to yourself and listen to others and listen to the world. Because, you know, it's just this book, this conversation that the author is writing. It's just it's just life. It's an extension of human nature. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, the number one question I, I get is, do you read all the books? And, and really the question is, what they're asking is, do you have to read? Because I think, I think some people don't really enjoy reading or they see it as a chore or it, just, it takes too long. I mean, some people love reading. But I think if you ask that, it's not, it's not like, oh, my God, you get to read all those books? I never hear that. That's well, sometimes true, I do. Yeah. I do if you're young <laughs> and they're really, uh, if they're really uh, young and then they're like, oh, I hate you. You have so much energy. <laughs> but, uh, but then, you know, and I tell them, it's like if, if you're a baker or anything, you're not eating all the cookies you make. It's like uh, you're so over it. If I can get it from the title or the subtitle or the brief or from a conversation with the editor – then that's great. If I have an idea that clicks, but I do read and I try to read at least 150 pages. And I feel like if I don't get it, the themes of this book and the whole point of it in 150 pages, then I think the book is flawed or the writing. It's like, ugh. cause I, I believe it's like almost like, like journalism. The first paragraph, you have to explain the who, what, where, when, why, and how Yeah. in the very first paragraph. And then the rest of the article expounds on that. And the hardest part is when you open a book and you, you're introduced to the situation, these characters. I'm like, I don't know any of these things. And I know before loving books that I know I'm going to be in love or care about their situation, these people. But it hasn't happened yet. And I can't wait. I have to jot down their names and their last names and their relationship to each other. And, and, then, you know, and then when it clicks and then you're into it, it just, it just happens. Like something happens, a passage or you know, act two happens. What do you say, like in uh, screenwriting, it's like uh, act one, you put a person in a tree. Act two, you set the tree on fire. Yeah. And act, act three is like you try to, you figure out how to get them out the tree or not. Yeah. So it's like, it's like you know, like a, each, uh, a good story structure. I think even in nonfiction, it has a setup, Definitely. an exploration, and then a resolution. Yeah. So sometimes you don't really need to read if you live life. Like if it's a book about an Eskimo girl growing up in uh, in the Arctic, I was like, I know when I was young, there has to be a point where she loves her parents or her, her tribe, but she kind of wants to be on, on her own and leave. Mm. And then when she does that, she's going to find trouble. And she's, uh, she's going to, and you know, so these things, it's like, you know, I'm not an Eskimo. I don't live in the Arctic. I'm not a uh, girl. I'm, I'm, I didn't grow up in the 1800s. But but you've read enough that you can make connections. And the same thing like when, like why do books get repackaged all the time? It's like I already own Jane Austen. I already own this. I'm like, yeah, you do. But uh, the person who's 18 years old hasn't, they've never heard of William Shakespeare or, you know, or, or Jane Austen. So we're packaging for them. 
you already bought the book later. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's not for you. So that's why things get, you're reintroducing stuff for a new generation. Mm. Now, people need to get introduced to Led Zeppelin and the Beatles all the time. It's like this thing that can be a nourishment or, uh, or something that's, you hate, and but it's it's part of culture and pop culture, so it's kind of good to understand. It's the building blocks of. I was wondering, like, why do we care about pop culture and why do we watch this stuff? But it's just a vehicle to share things, you know, with another person. It's like, oh, did you watch Game of Thrones last night? And like, and why is that so important? Like, I remember I was talking to someone. I said, oh, did you watch Game of Thrones? And they say, I don't watch that. And it's like, oh, and I realized why it was bad because that conversation was over. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I was so excited about something. I wanted to share, get you inside. It's going to be an amazing conversation. And then it was just over. I'm like, oh, a chasm just grew between us. And there's no sharing. You don't know me anymore. I don't, I know a little bit more of you and I don't like it. Like, how can you not like Game of Thrones? Yeah, I need and to know like, if you're a Stark or a Targaryen. Or yeah, a yeah, exactly. What yeah. house are you in? Yeah. You know? So, uh, so it's, that's why, you know, reading these things is, it's, uh, it's good for your own personal growth. But it's really, I think it's all there to help us communicate with each other. So I said, oh, I, I think I'm going to read. I'm going to finally have time to read and, and not feel guilty about it. Like, I should be chasing the money. I should be doing something every second. It's about making money now, you know, and uh, or finding it or finding work. And uh, there's, there's that, but that's a lot of stress to put on yourself. So if it's down, I'll just like, I'll pick a neighborhood that I don't, I don't hardly go to in Brooklyn or Queens or anywhere. And say so I'm going to find a coffee shop and just read, you know, I'm going to make something out of it. And then I'll get a phone call and say, hey, what are you doing? We're having a party or Hey, are you free? Can you do this uh, illustration for me? Or uh, we have this book cover. Are you free? Because I think everyone assumes I'm so busy that I'm drowning in work. And I have a lot of work, but, you know, you develop a speed that uh, I can check on more because I don't like being idle. I like to explore something. or I'm always doing something. So uh, it's like, yeah, I can take on more. Just, uh, just give it to me. I just, I, just, I just love thinking and processing and uh problem solving mm. just like oh like like when you you know when you you when you hand in your first comps to the art director and it's so full of doubt and you don't know yep yep and you, and you send it out are you telling me that never goes away no it never oh. goes away and, uh, <laughs> and but you know i could either make it i can hold on to it miss deadlines until it's perfect or just i'm gonna throw this at them because I do like the idea, even if it's not developed. But I have to give it to them. I gotta, I gotta meet the deadline, and I hope they don't uh, take me off, or, or I hope they say I'm never gonna hire Henry ever again. But I give it to them, and I'm shocked that they like it, or, or they still tell me, oh, this is not right, this is the wrong direction. But I love. So then, that. where do you, where I... do you go from there? So, is it sort of that, oh, then ahead. you know what they don't want? Exactly. It's easier love, to go in a different direction. I love the first round. Like, I, I, you, what they say, fail uh, often and early mm. so you can get to the solution faster. Yeah. Uh, I love showing ideas early because I, I know I have the skills to finesse it and make it shine. You know, what they say, you know, we have the skills to turn shit into gold. And we can do that 
but we need to find something that's worthy of that, of the time. Mm. So I love, well, I don't love, but you know, I'll get it. And it's like, this is wrong. Uh, this is not what they want. Marketing wants this. The author wanted that. Uh, the editor doesn't think this is what should be stressed. But once you have that, you can go for it. Even if everything is wrong, the typeface, the color, the, the photo, the, the imagery. Because now you, it's like, uh, I remember in a, a friend once asked me, when you're art direct, do you know exactly what you're going to do? Do you see it in your head? And I say, sometimes that happens if, you're, if you really know the subject matter, if, you, if, you're, if it's something you're into. But I sought the meetings with what I don't want it to look like. Like, I don't think we should do a, a photograph. I think it should be illustration. And I think it should be uh, not literary, but maybe more commercial, louder, or whatever. And you just start from there, and the, and the editor said, no, I think it should be this. But you don't need to know. You can start with where you, what you don't want it to be. You just have to start the conversation. It's yeah. not the only conversation. And that's why I say, it's like, if you don't know what to do, just pick a direction and start walking. And you realize this is the wrong way, so let me go back the other way. And then, maybe, and what's great about even doing that, even when you're going in the wrong direction, you're picking up ideas and you're seeing things in life and you're getting new experiences that might pertain for this project or a future project or just life in general. Nothing is ever wasted in our journey through doing something. It's like, I think it's, it's good to get out of the house and just wander. And that's really good in New York where you never really have to make a plan. You just go and you always bump into someone you know and plans are made or you I, I, I don't like walking backwards uh, down the same street I like to zigzag or or if I hit a red light I'll I'll start going left you know on the green light it just it forces you to go to another direction and you start seeing things that you would never see and, and that's great you just you're just taking out all this uh, inspiration and that's where it comes from it's like this wider breadth of information. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, you can't be paralyzed thinking that you know what you're going to do. That's not the point. I think our job is, try, is uh, art directing or creating or designing. You're not, it's not just, un, it, our job isn't unveiling fully formed. It's designing and making and trying it. And I, I remember, uh, you know, I was hearing about uh, like design. Like they used to say that design is like uh, there are two types of, Two general types of designers. They're like sculptors. There's the uh, the additive and the subtractive. And you know, uh, additive is a person who uh, works with clay. They, they start with nothing, and they have, constantly have to go to the beach and drag clay to the studio and build up and add clay and shape it. And it's nothing until it's final. And, and then the the subtractive is kind of like uh, Michelangelo. Uh, yeah. You start with uh, block of marble, and you know it's in there. The statue of David is in there. You just have to unlock it and not uh, screw it up. And I think I'm more, I'm more subtractive. But I believe that everything I need is within me or around me. I don't have to go too far or I don't have to struggle too much. Because I think, I also think like when you're designing and struggling, sometimes that might be because it's not a direction that is natural. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a solution that it's making sense they're trying to force it to be right so i mean it's valid you can do that but give yourself a break take a breather and try something else until 
a solution like you know that you can figure out how to make that hard uh, option work. I think that if you're an editor, sometimes like you're constantly bringing play. Sometimes you feel like I suck, I suck until the very end. And but I think if you're subtractive and you're unlocking, you can still say I suck, but you realize, oh, the beauty is already here. And that's why、mm. I feel like with photography, when I go out, the beauty is there. I just haven't seen it. Yeah, it could be this weird juxtaposition of a a person.、Uh, it's like the whole block is in shadow except this sliver of sunlight, because the buildings are so tall in New York. But this person found his son, and he's raising his face towards the sunlight, and it's such a beautiful image, and it's humanity. It's like everyone's trying to find that sliver of sunshine, and then that's something that you don't create. You stumble onto it because I decided to go left on this block. And I saw this. It's like,、uh, if I chose to go down this block, it's like, nah, it's too dark,、uh, or it doesn't have anyone. There's only this one person. And, and then you walk down, and that one person is sunning himself. I'm like, oh my god, it's beautiful. That happened to me. I saw this person sun himself, and I wish I had my camera because I was predominantly a photographer. You know, I was just taking photos. And I went on Twitter, like, I saw this great image of a man. I wish I had my camera. I missed it. And my friends, who are illustrators, they said, "Well, why don't you draw it?"、And、I'm like, "Oh yeah, you're an illustrator. That's your, that's your form of expression. You would think that way. If you're a writer, you write a short story or a novel. As a, a photographer, I would take a photo, or maybe as a, a designer, a poster, whatever. You make it out of typography or, 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 or shapes. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I have to start thinking other forms of."、Uh, I start. I have to start using the other tools I have in my my life and my interests. I'm like, oh, let me try it in this in this form. But I always remember, like, I had a classmate in in school, and she jumped、uh, painting to illustration to、uh, sculpture and then to soldering iron, and they kind of make fun of her. It's like, ah,、oh, she doesn't know what she wants to do. Like, she keeps jumping. She can't pick a major or, or, or an art form. I said, no. She knows what she wants to do. She just hasn't found the right form of expression. She's searching,、mm. you know. So she's gonna get it. And even if she doesn't, that's that's not the point. I mean, the point is to search. She has something. I remember I was at a National Book Awards, and Toni Morrison, a fabulous writer, was、uh, speaking, and、uh, she's saying, you know,、uh, people. Always come up to me and say, "You must love writing. This must be the greatest gift to have to be able to express yourself." And she said, "No, it's blood, sweat, and tears. I hate it. It doesn't make me happy. I write because I have to get it out of me,、yeah. not because I want to." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's the struggle of an artist. It's like、uh, you, you have to do this. You know, it's、uh, it's like what、well, and it wakes you up in the middle of the night, or sometimes you're struggling on an idea." And it's two a.m. and something comes up. I gotta wake up. I gotta write on paper, or I gotta open up、uh, Photoshop and just block in Helvetica on、uh, on a shape. Yeah. And and then and it's good. <laughs> it's on paper or a sketchbook. It's like once it's down, once it's out of your head. Oh man, what a great feeling! Like once you break that moment of doubt and 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 it's just like it just it's almost just opens up like it's all in front of you sometimes. Mm, and it's But, as, you know, as though life will be so much harder and and worse without that. Yeah, because、mm. it's always it's always dark and hard. And once you find a eureka moment, I, like even like、uh, I remember waking up and always stubbing my toe in this box, 
And this happened for years. And then one day I decided I should move this box. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, man, I could have, like, have a better life. But sometimes we just suck up life that it sucks and I'm always going to stub my toe. And you just accept it for what it is and not thinking like, well, I wonder if I have something and a tool, something in my tool chest that can change this. And, you know, it's a necessity. And it's so simple. It's so dumb. It's like, yeah, move, yeah, move the box. <laughs> it's, it's like it's even like when you're dealing with like the designs, it's like, I can't make this typeface work. I'm like, then don't get rid of the typeface. Try something else. Or this color's not working. Then work in black and white until you figure it out. Or people struggle to make this image work. Yeah, like, I, I think we all have those boxes work. in our lives. Yeah, but the hardest thing is to edit ourselves or to, the hardest thing is to abandon an idea. Mm. You know, you know, just say, and we say abandon because we have to be so dramatic, but it's like, just put it aside. It's always there. You know, it's saved, this document, uh, untitled number 27. It's always going to be there, you know, but, you know, start exploring a different idea. And then when you, and you build up a, a way of designing, you're building up things that make you happy and more confident. You're building up confidence. I'm like, oh, I'm liking this color. Oh, this color goes well with this subject matter. It's like, oh, this typeface, yeah, yeah, this is really, that's the subject matter. And, uh, oh, this image is in it. I think it has to be uh, an icon. Oh, I, yeah, that's it. I reduced this whole complex photograph into this one symbol. Oh, man, it's so clean. I mean, this is just, I'm just uh, making stuff up. But even doing that process is making me so excited and gives me chills. Because that's what we kind of do. The, we're uh, peeling back and simplifying, simplifying. Because we just over-design. We, we bring kitchen sink. We bring everything. We bring everything of our lives into this moment, into this rectangle. And you just got to start trusting yourself and stripping away. Yeah. And it's amazing. And that's what the first comp is. It's everything. Everything you think about this manuscript that you might have read or not read is on there. And everything, the expectation of the genre, other books like it, you know about the author, what you know about the imprint, what they're into, what the art director likes or don't like, it's there. And then they hate it, they love it, but I, you learn a lot more when they hate it. Because I love, because after that, it's so much simpler and stripped down and it's pure communication, pure design done in the most simplest way. And I just, uh, uh, to, uh, to speak without so much artifice, but then, you know, I'm, I'm doing this book about punk and that's all about rough edges and layering and overabundance of stuff. So I have to decide if, if I'm going to go that route, which is a little cliche, or how can I rethink it? Mm. Or, you know, or how can I or do Is it a cheat to make it austere? Like, am I, do I fight it too much? Uh, do I make it too hip? Do I make it cool? Or... Oh, so I just commit to it and like, yeah, just go, go over the top. And I don't know. I mean, all those things are valid and they all excite me. So I guess the only thing I have to do is do a hundred comps <laughs> of each yeah. one, each idea and, and then see what, you know, what you emotionally respond to. Cause I think that's in the end, I prefer what you, it's not, oh yeah, this makes sense intellectually, but it's the one that you feel something. Mm. And that's, uh, that's the, that's when design isn't designed anymore. It becomes a finger painting that's on a wall or album cover that you want to hang up or a poster. And books, it's like you don't love it intellectually. And sometimes you do, but you love it because this piece of art, this, this band, this book, 
this artwork, this anything, this piece of clothing, this scarf represents who you are as a person and what you love and believe in. And you share that with your friend. It's like, oh, this book changed my life. Or you're going through something. Or read this book. Watch Game of Thrones. It's giving me so much joy. You know, and it becomes not a book or a show anymore. It becomes life. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. Please be sure to rate and review us too. This show is hosted by Holly Dunn and edited by Eric Wilder. Our theme song is Sweet Berry Wine by Blue Wednesday. And Spine is a production of Spine Magazine. For show notes, articles, audio and video about the enormous talent that goes into creating books, visit spinemagazine.co.